0: this is episode number 194 how to talk to sponsors and monetize your events with Lachelle Atkins welcome my name is Oleg Gloheed, and this is the overcoming odds podcast where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity suffering and struggle in achieving their personal success This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming call called Courageous Conversations. This is something that we started a few months ago with the intention of bringing our community even closer, as well as creating a space for each and every single one of us to be able to not only better understand ourselves, but also those that are walking next to us. If you would like to know more details about any of these upcoming calls, please leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today. The last thing that I would like to mention is if you have liked any of the previous episodes and continue to enjoy the content that we put out there, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Michelle, Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, you know, you never know what to expect when it comes to me. So I'm here (laughs) on the phone. (laughs) We were talking before we recorded. Uh, No internet. So, you know, it's just the joys of business and just opportunities. You got to make lemonade out of lemons, okay? Mm
2: -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's
1: the holidays. My kids are home and... We had a power outage due to a storm, and so we still don't have internet. So, needless to say, they're wrecking their brains, trying to come up with board games and card games, and the list goes on and on, things to occupy themselves without internet.
0: <laughs> Man, they're having to go to square one, it sounds like, right? The yes. times before internet, because I bet, in, in, especially in today's day and age, internet plays such a big role when it comes to mm-hmm. keeping people's minds occupied. And I would be curious to learn from people who were introduced to Internet as the toys and the entertainment. Like, what do they do in those situations? Right.
1: Well, and like I tell them, hey, draw, get some puzzles out, you know, your DVDs, VHSs. We actually still have a VH recorder, VHS recorder with Uh uh, some of those movies. So, yeah, we have an arsenal of things to do. (laughs) But do they want to do it? You know, then I said, you can always clean up and reorganize, but that's definitely not happening.
0: Yeah, that's a different (laughs) question, right? The things might be available, but whether or not they're going to (laughs) choose to act on those things, it's a different story.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, I wanted to have this conversation with you because... A couple of reasons. First is I feel like every time I have an opportunity to speak with you, I experience my own breakthroughs when it comes to topics. And I know you do, too. And one thing that's unique about our conversations is that we will walk away with at least a notebook full of things to uh, think about (laughs) and implement. But this topic and this concept of sponsorships, it's something that's been in my mind and I've been very interested in learning more about it. And perhaps the way that you and I can start this conversation is, based on your own personal experience, what do you think is the challenge that you have experienced when it comes to either acquiring sponsors or actually monetizing the different sponsorship opportunities that you have on your end?
1: Well, you know, this is really a great question that you're asking, because this is something that I'm scaling into doing right now. So as I was building my brand, I tell people all the time that I'm passionate about speaking about mental wellness. That is just something, hey, you had me at mental wellness. You say that and I'm all ears. So um, with that being the case, it has placed me in a situation where I have a lot of platforms that I participate in and I'm getting my name out there, raising awareness about the importance of mental wellness. But then, you know, there's not always that monetization that comes with it. So I feel like I have done a very good foundation to uh, be known for this. And now people are coming to me and asking me to speak and things like that. So now this is where I am beginning to explore sponsorship and monetization with that. Because with me scaling back, I have... Uh, just limited myself now to a tribe of people that I talk to on a weekly basis mm-hmm. so that I can stay focused on what it is that I want to do. So, you know, sometimes if you say I'm an advocate for mental wellness, it's like everybody that says that you're like running around like a squirrel. Oh, you know, trying to go <laughs> to this place and that place, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And so now I feel like I'm trying to attract right audience to me instead of always going out doing those things. So when I say scale, I am trying to pick so many events a month that I will talk on in a wellness. So if someone invites me, then I can do that platform. But the way the sponsorship comes is going back possibly to some of those different areas and see if they willing to partner on some events that I'm interested in uh, doing myself that I can begin to have control of my calendar. So I did a lot of things um, to get exposure during corona because there were a lot of moms who were struggling with working from home and having their kids home. So that was a topic that I felt very, you know, important about discussing because I was challenged with the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so when having eight kids, it's like, man, if I can do it, you can do it. So I just wanted to encourage other moms. But with this being a case where now we're still into that. So now it's like, how do I get out there in a more organized platform and be able to share in a way that has even more impact? And you do that through sponsorship and monetization, I believe.
0: Did you ever find it challenging to ask for money directly from organizations or individuals that could be possible sponsors? And if so, why?
1: I think what you need to do is, um, because like I said, this is very organic. I'm working on this now. So Mm -hmm. the first thing is knowing what you want the uh, sponsorship for. So my ideas come all the time and I just write them down. The first thing, if you have a certain organization or you have a mindset about what you want organizations to do, then I feel you should have a script for that. When you have a script, you're able to go off the script. It's not any personal attachment to the outcome. And you're able to figure out why do I want this money? What am I going to do with it? How is this going to be a win-win for both parties? And really dive into creating a right kind of script and then using that for our organizations. So you're you begin to kind of remove yourself from the yes or no, and you're able to keep moving regardless if they want to support you or not. Does that make yeah. sense?
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've also noticed that's been kind of an interesting journey to observe for me is when I started to approach different <laughs> organizations as possible sponsors for events or whatever other things that we were putting together was that there was also this challenge about keep staying true to what I believe is Mm -hmm. the um, offered value, but then also understanding that that offered value may not be the value that they're looking for. You know, they might be looking for additional things or completely different things. So there's also that level of, I think, flexibility that plays a big role in creating some of these sponsorship opportunities for other organizations Mm -hmm. and understanding that not everyone, not only not everyone wants what you want, but not everyone is looking for what you are able to see. (laughs) So to some Mm -hmm. people, 30 second or a minute slots on your podcast as a way to advertise their services, it may not be of the best value. It might be some other Mm -hmm. thing. And so that's where it's something that you touched upon. And that's not being tied down to a specific agenda when it comes to that, but rather being flexible and maybe using that script as an introduction to a conversation, but then also knowing that that conversation may have its own things that you're going to have to identify and almost like recreate as you have.
1: Because when you're intentional about what your objective is, so Mm -hmm. like for me, for example, you know, The normal thing we think of is that, oh, we've got this organization. They have lots of money that they can afford to be a sponsor for. But that's not really what you want to think about. You want to think about how can we um, connect to make an impact with their audience and my audience. So that may not look like always money. It could be uh, them donating books. You know, self-development help, Um, you know, different things that are outside of money that you might not even consider because maybe there's a theme that you could do. You know, like let's say as we approach uh, 2021, you want to do something on reinventing you. So with that, you want to get journals for the people. You want them to have a a self-development toolkit that you want to provide products in so that when they attend your event, You know, you want to be able to give them these tools that they can go and take home and use with them or mail them to them in advance, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're thinking out of the box with some of these things, you know, they are able to sacrifice some things and you're able to sacrifice some things coming together to create something new and different. Mm -hmm. Because if you go into this thinking like everybody else thinks, uh, you're not going to get very far. That's just my opinion.
0: Yeah. Laura Moon, who has joined us through LinkedIn has mentioned something here and that is sell the sustainable investment and that is growth supportive objectives. It makes the company want to invest more. I couldn't agree with that more because I think it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember when I was first starting off, um, I was more focused on, the other end of that. And that's like, here are all the values and here's the cash value, here's the monetary value. Mm -hmm. And then what I realized was that many of the organizations that chose to support moving forward were, yes, they were, I guess you could say, interested in having conversations about the amounts they're willing to donate and all this other stuff. But I also realized that companies were more interested in the vision, (laughs) the vision and the mission than that one singular event. And I remember when it, um, one other thing that really made sense to me was I was having a conversation with someone who had connected with on LinkedIn and him and I were just having a call and he said, why offer different sponsorship opportunities for one event? Why not offer them as like a package for the entire 2020, 2021, 2022 years? And that's where I just had this like, incredible breakthroughs like wow that is so true like why put all my eggs into one basket so and, and and position that same exact way to the company rather than just say okay here is here are 20 different events that you will right. get 20 times the exposure compared to just putting it all into one and hoping that one experience is going to work out for the company depends on what they're looking for
1: So true. And, you know, it could be a thing that you do gradually. I mean, they may not know you, you may not know them. So something that you could build on you are nurturing and creating your relationship. So many times that we feel like, you know, it's just like you having this product and you believe everybody wants it, but you haven't even asked them what their needs are. It's like, oh, I got the next thing. You know, you just assume that it is valuable to them. But you have to have a a relationship and engage about that. And so that's another testament for thinking for the whole year that our vision is so small because we're concerned with what we can do by ourselves. Mm. But if your vision is bigger, then you recognize that you can't do, you know, that's kind of intimidating to say, hey, I need uh, 70,000 so that I can put on 12 events for you. You know what I mean? This year. And, you know, you're, you're, of course, you're intimidated by saying that as an individual. But if you know you have a team, if you have a track record of doing X amount of events, that is not going to be a harder thing for you to uh, put out there.
0: Mm -hmm. How do you position the ask them? At what point, personally speaking, from your own experience, do you, how are you able to gauge where within the relationship you can put in, put the ask out there? Or do you even okay. not even bother in, in overthinking that?
1: Right. I think the first thing is recognizing first who the decision maker is. So you want to make sure that you're talking to the right person who is able to determine if they would like to enter into an agreement. So that is mm-hmm. the first thing is doing your homework. The second thing is, It's just like any other negotiation in terms of me, I feel, is that you want to be able to meet someone's need. So, a sponsor is not just giving you money just to be a hero of the day. They want something out of it, you know. So, you want to be able to meet their need. So, if they are in the market for maybe a different audience that you serve or, They want to do something new and they see you as the expert. So really kind of honing in on what that is, because I think a lot of the intimidation comes from you don't feel comfortable asking because you don't really know what they want. Or you're feeling intimidated if you're going to be able to deliver it all because Mm -hmm. you don't really know what they want, if that makes sense. Yeah, So, I think it's just that organic conversation of asking those questions, you know you know cuz you may say well originally um i was going to ask you for 12 months but you know if you're comfortable and or if you're not comfortable but i want to kind of show you where i stand let's commit to a 3 month contract or 6 month you know it's again not being married to the outcomes but recognizing what you bring to the table
2: uh-huh. and
1: what you are what they bring to the table and coming together to create your own zone of genius or masterpiece with you guys both collaborating mm. if that makes sense
0: it does I love that because it just it I mean I think that in a way is a true form of partnership <laughs> being mm-hmm. able to come to the table and, and express both of your individual needs but also understand that both of you may not be looking for the same exact thing and so it's almost exactly. meeting meeting each other halfway or wherever that person that person or company may be and then finding a creative solution around the two, the two needs, not only one need.
1: Exactly. And you may find that they may, you might have a figure in mind and based on what they you tell them that you can do, mm-hmm. your track record things you've done, they may offer more money than what you even thought to ask. Mm. You know, you never know. They may offer other things. They might say, hey, well, you know, we, we have access to um, a private jet. We can fly you here so you don't have to worry about your Mm flights. We can bring so many people for you. I mean, you just never know. Mm -hmm. So don't limit yourself is what I believe.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing that comes to mind, and this is another question that I've had on the back of my mind, and it's this topic of money. Mm -hmm. What is your relationship with money? How do you view money to begin with?
1: Well, I believe that it's a tool. Um, I think that, One of the problems that many entrepreneurs have, and I've had this in the past, is that money, um, we attribute money to meeting our needs. And so what happens is if you're focused on the money, then a lot of the other traits and skills and things that you bring to the table are overshadowed with this sense of need and fear and scarcity, rather than recognizing that money is a reward or a byproduct of what you are able to bring to the table, mm. if that makes sense. But if you lead with you know, what you need, then that comes across to the lead or another client that you're talking to, and it really turns people off. Whereas if you focus on what is it that I am providing, what value do they need? And it becomes a situation where you understand that it's an exchange. Mm -hmm. So money can be used as an exchange in that process and you're not married to the outcome and you're able to talk about it without it being an emotional situation. Mm -hmm. But if you're coming from your needs, and where you feel like you may be in lack, you cannot separate the two. It just clouds your vision, how you come across and you know, you take things personal.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have been there one hundred and ten percent. You know, I- and then it t- it took a while to understand. I think even the other thing kind of beyond the sponsorships, but more so just pricing and understanding one's services and the values provided. Mm-hmm. That took me a while to understand. <laughs> it took me a while to understand. Right. And I remember for quite a while, I second-guessed the things. Mm-hmm. You know, I second-guessed the times where I would reach out to different colleges or universities, and, and they would ask me, well, what do you charge for X, Y, and Z length workshop? And I, I just didn't feel confident. I didn't feel confident right. in asking initially. You know, so I would kind of just pose the question back to them, like, well, what can you offer? And then I just realized that there were many of the organizations, they, you know, they would offer the lowest thing that they think they could get it for. Mm -hmm. And then that's what I ended up. That's what I would go with. And then I just realized that, okay, this is really not aligning with the self worth with the value that I Mm -hmm. have created for it. So Part of my own journey, I think when it comes to the sponsorships and pricing of the services has really become in getting confident with my own message and knowing that what I have to provide is worth that. And then at the end of the day, that number to me, it's just a number. Right. It's like, there's, that's it. It's just a number. Like 5,000 is 5,000, 10,000 is 10,000. Like, what does that even mean? Just a number you throw out there just like a number you see when you go to a grocery store and you see a green apple costing 64 cents. It's like
2: Mm -hmm.
0: someone just threw out a number and then, you know, the market in a way sometimes dictate dictates it. But that's where I realized that for me, it's more about developing confidence in my own value and my own work. And if there are people that say no to some of those opportunities, know that there are, How many people? Seven billion other people that might say yes.
1: (laughs) So true. And, you know, I think sometimes if you're not married to the money also, you have the ability to be creative in coming up with that value. So let's take a college and a university. So let's say that they, you know, have a limited budget. So then it begins a negotiation. Okay, normally my fee is $5,000. I am willing to do this lower amount, but what other things can you bring to the table? Can I do a month's worth of workshops with your students or staff? Uh, Are you willing to purchase books from me? Um, You know, can I be on your website exclusively for 30 or 60 days, you know, talking about my event? You know, will you put a video on your website? So I think when we're so caught up in the money, you know, that if you just had that on there, you know, you can use that to get a different contract from somebody else because there's your credibility by being on somebody's website. Yeah. So you got to be willing to think out of the box and be prepared because what can stop other people? Most people say, oh, they didn't want to give me 5000 I I just left. But if you begin to start exploring different things, you may end up with something that's more valuable than $5,000. You might say, okay, I'm gonna do this event. I need a video. I need you guys to film the video. And I need to have it broken up so that I can put clips on all my social media outlets. Let them work for you. Yeah. You see what What, I'm saying?
0: What changed? (laughs) What changed for you when it came to developing this kind of mindset? Because, you know, one of the things that I've learned in being connected to you is that you continue to push and find value beyond the perceived value. So if some, for example, if you're not able to receive the full fee that you request for, you're still able to put yourself in positions that, okay, there are other ways that I can leverage projects. I remember even the book you were talking to me about the one the most recent one that you worked with the co-authored mm-hmm. one, you know th- that was a different journey. That's right
2: out here, yeah it,
0: a, yeah. it was a different journey that you <laughs> took, but it, right. it once again as a reminder, it's like how do you personally not only maintain that mindset, but like what made sense in your life that you started to repeat to yourself, "Hey, there's more value than what is perceived," and how do I continue? to cultivate that from one relationship to another?
1: Yeah. I think that the first thing is um, not being married to the outcomes is big. You know, there was a time that I feel like I was living in a box because it was the way that I always saw the outcomes. So, for example, let's say that we're having an event and we come together, have a meeting, and we're like, okay, we need to get one sponsor for $5,000. And this is the only way we see the event being successful. But it's getting out of that mindset of figuring out man, how many people do we want to talk to? How do we want to impact them? What do we want them to experience? How can we have them talking about the event? Because it could be another thing where you could say, Maybe the people can't provide the money at the event, but they can give you some uh, tools before. So they could post it on their website, a campaign, an email campaign to just their constituency or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the whole thing of deciding that when you have a goal, all the parties involved should have a seat at the table so that the vision does get bigger. And then you can begin to see all the different wins that you could have along the way that can make you in that mindset of feeling like, you know, it's just like a buffet for a meal. You Uh know, okay, we could say we're going to have turkey and dressing, but this person says, oh, well, I don't have those, but I can bring macaroni and cheese. Uh I don't have that, but I can bring green beans or whatever, right? So uh, before you know it, what starts out as just a simple meal ends up being something even bigger because people become uh, in a position to contribute because they understand the mission or the vision for the event or the goal. And so they are attracted to it and they begin to see what resources they have to contribute to making it a better event, if that makes sense.
0: Where did not being married to the outcome come from?
1: Just from recognizing that I don't know everything. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was the whole thing, you know, dealing with my depression, you know, I always Mm -hmm. have the thing. It's like depression and after depression. You know, before depression, I was raised as a high achiever, so it was very competitive. I felt like I knew all the answers or I had to pretend that I did, you know, and I was rewarded with, you know, the honor roll or gifted classes and things of that. And now I feel like um, I'm so conscious about unlearning what I thought I knew because that was a personal journey.
0: You know, mm. I could
1: get the accolades for the things that I was personally responsible for. But when you're coming to a situation where it's a group activity, it's it's not going to do any good for the group if I'm the only one that feels good about what I'm doing.
2: Mm-hmm. We
1: want the whole group to raise the energy. And so the best way for that to happen is for everybody to be in their own zone of genius, for the, everybody to feel valuable in what they do. They'll be more confident and then we'll really have just higher achievements that will take place because I'm not feeling threatened about them shining, them not feeling threatened about me shining. We all can come together and choose to do what we want in order to make this bigger vision happen, if that makes sense.
0: Do you think a large portion of creating a space like that comes from creating a space where you truly are there to understand? the other person and listen to or, or there are other components that play a role in creating that safe environment?
1: I think um, one of the things is understanding. The Another one is just getting judgment out of there, you know, out of the conversation at all. Um, you know, I just was in a situation to where a lot of things I wouldn't say because it was like, man, I don't want them to think this, mm-hmm. I don't want them to think that. and. I do not seek validation from other people. It just does not even register to me like it did in the past. And I think that ability to be transparent and authentic really knocks the walls down so people can organically talk in a way that gets things accomplished.
2: Mm. Rather
1: than beating around the bush, everybody hiding behind a mask, we all feel about something, but nobody wants to be the first one to say anything. And yeah. I'm so done with that. It's just a waste of time, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I've de- I can definitely relate to that. I think <laughs> it's just, it's. I think to a degree for me, it's much better just to sell, say the truth as it is, mm-hmm. instead of beat around the bush and, and somehow hope <coughs> that the results are just going to happen the way that I envision them when in reality, if the actions don't align with those things, then why would anything be different?
1: Right. And I think also coming together and say, you know, I don't know everything, so what is this union going to teach me? So I think if you're coming to the situation in a mindset of wanting to learn, wanting to do something new and creative, um, I don't look, I look at past uh, connections as a way to be inspired for a new one, not comparing the two, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you ever find it challenging to say, I don't know?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> I say it with a smile and some laughter. Okay.
0: <laughs> Why do you think it was like that for you? Cause I, you know, when I look back up on my own experience, there were times where I found that challenging 100%. Yes. I found it challenging to say, I don't know. And I, <laughs> I think part of it has to do with the culture and the environment I was surrounded by where mm-hmm. it's insane. I don't know. I was all of a sudden looked upon as less than now. Nice. It could also be a story that I was just creating for myself internally. So it may not exactly. have been an actual reality, But yet the story that I continue to believe did become my reality after a while. And for me, it was really about reframing and understanding that there there is power in saying, I don't know, because there are, it's it's just truth. It's a universal truth. There are, there will always be things in this world that I don't know much about. And so just getting comfortable with that term and embracing it has really been a major stepping stone for me.
1: Yes. And you know what? Um, the thing about it is when most people, and I can only speak for myself, based on what I experienced,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: I had this pressure where I thought I did have to know everything, you know, because to me, knowing everything was a uh, a situation where you're successful, you know, you're smart, or, mm. you know, you you have answers and all this. And so that was really the story with that that I kind of told myself. And to uh, I To not know something I saw was a form of weakness. So I didn't want to admit that. But now I have found that people like for you to say you don't know because that mirrors their own situation. And it's an w- opportunity to connect.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because if you do say that you know something and you don't, then it's going to hold you to a higher standard. And it just totally messes up your credibility when people find out that you didn't know what you were talking about.:
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm.
1: So for me, I value my word and my reputation about the things that I consciously do myself. I value that more so than it, now, if somebody says, "Oh, she thinks she knows everything," that doesn't bother me. You know But if I go around acting like I know everything and don't, that's the problem. Not what somebody else is saying, but what am I doing myself? Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cause it's one thing to hear that perspective from someone else and it's a whole other thing to create a story around that and then continue to believe that story. I mean that, yeah, that that's a never ending thing. <laughs> the story, yeah. all the stories that we tell ourselves about events that have happened or haven't even happened just yet, and yet there's just, there's so much to impact in in this concept of just your own inner narrative and how it really does, I believe it does, form your reality or perception of it. It
1: does, it does. And I mean, I see it every day. Every time I meet somebody new, I can see the walls fall down with them because you know most people think, "Oh, okay, well, she's got a lot of kids, so i you know they don't I don't know what they expect, but I can just see that a lot of things that I consciously work to create a new connection with them uh-huh. and seeing me actively do that, it just blows people out of the water because I don't know what they're thinking, but they do come with some preconceived notions. I can tell you that. And it's totally different once we have a conversation.
0: Michelle, you and I obviously can have a conversation for the next uh, two to three hours if we give it it the time on all these subjects. But to kind of conclude this conversation, what are some of the ways that people can help you, can support you? And I know that you have a book. What's the best way that people can find that and connect with you?
1: Absolutely. So the book is Inspirational Women of the World. Mm -hmm. Um, I am just one of the authors, and just a note about this. You know, we were talking some time ago, I think, Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: uh, I did a Facebook Live about getting credit, and I just want to highlight the fact that I'm not the head author of this book. Um, I'm just one of 20, but sometimes we limit our ability to impact others if we want to get the credit, because if, Mm. if they were waiting on me to do this whole book, it would still be in my computer. Hmm. But as a result of collaborating with other people, yes, I'm just one of 20 authors. But this book is uh, Amazon bestseller. Mm -hmm. Okay, for new releases, Amazon bestseller in business. It is impacting the lives of people. And I physically can give it to people now, because I wasn't always married to getting the credit. Mm-hmm. It's about collaborating and recognizing the mission. So the proceeds of this book, you can order it on Amazon. Uh, they go to um, a charity that we're working to increase enterprise in uh, Morocco. So that's where the proceeds of the book go. So even a bigger vision. And the goal is to impact the lives of a million women by 2030.
2: That's amazing. So that's
1: the premise of the book but they can Mm -hmm. follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'm really on any social media platform and I have a YouTube channel.
0: Mm -hmm. Can you touch upon this concept that you briefly mentioned and that is not wanting to receive the credit? Because I think that's a very important point for anyone that's choosing to tune in and that is looking to write a book. And I know I was in that position (laughs) once upon a time when I was having that conversation with you. And then I just realized that this whole concept of a book it doesn't have to be the way that I think of a traditional book. You know, a book could be an ebook, a PDF, or literally just for, I mean for me the book that I started to work on is just questions. Questions for people to ask themselves. That is a form of a book. And so I think there's there's a lot of value in what you described because you helped me see differently. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like why how did that make sense to you that hey, I don't have to have all the credit in order to still have an impact that I aspire to have in this world.
1: Right. That really helped me with to me being a speaker because many people, when they hear how many children I have, so we didn't even talk about that, but mm-hmm. my husband and I have 15 children. So for those of you that are watching, don't know who I am, um, hence the name America Supermom. But what happens is when people introduce me or, you know, I come and do an event, the first thing is like, oh, we have so much respect for you, 15 kids. So they put you on a pedestal. You know, it's like you're above them. Now, I'm, I don't feel that I'm above anybody, but the difference is, is that I recognize and I receive that and because I feel like it's a form of um, people recognizing what I'm challenged with however i don't stay on the pedestal i choose to get down off the pedestal so -hmm. that's when i get transparent hey you know what i understand that i do have a lot of kids but i have two middle schoolers right now i talk about that a lot on my facebook live that they don't want to get up in the morning I'm like, (laughs) trying to get them to do yeah e-learning you know what i'm saying and so Mm I begin with those type of stories to put people at ease and say, okay, yeah, I have 15 kids, but I'm not uh, uh, in this platform to practice about being perfect. Mm
2: -hmm. We're talking
1: about real life issues that will give you value because those perfect moments don't happen every day.
2: You know, they're
1: like few and far between. Real life is like, hey, You know, my kids are leaving their shoes in the middle of the floor. They don't want to make up their beds. They leave their plates on the table. I mean, you see what I'm saying? So I start out with connecting with people about reality, not fantasy and illusion. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's really the thing. When we get credit for stuff, it's not about um, getting the credit for you to continue to feel like you're higher than everybody else, it's an opportunity for you to expand your platform. Because if you are a person who's humble, more people want to hear your message. Mm -hmm. How are you doing this, you know, with what you've got going on in a way that, you know, I can feel like I can talk to you,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know. Mm -hmm. So that's what they're talking about. So I think when you're willing to get away from the outcomes or the credit or, you know, having that title Because I dealt with that for 13 years. I struggled with, well, I don't feel like I'm valuable because I wasn't a good mom today because I didn't get everything done on my list. You know, that was something I repeated to myself over a period of 13 years. And I was like, you know, my worth is not tied to the status or roles that I play. So I think being able to disconnect from that was really what helped me.
0: And I think it's partially cultural as well. I know that I've experienced similar things in, I used to believe that in order to be more, you have to do more
2: mm-hmm. when in
0: reality, it's not really aligned. There's a difference between that, you know, you, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a difference between, I mean, what I realized is that I don't have to do more in order to be more. I could just be mm-hmm. and, and being was enough as I am, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think part of that is the culture of living in the United mm-hmm. States and constantly working finding better ways and improving and knowing that there's always going to be more more work to be done um, that just gets instilled with, within us after however many years. And then after that, that becomes the norm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So true. And I think when you have those moments of just being, people resonate with that. Yeah. Before you know it, they'll be talking about you. Man, you know, I met this guy and something about them, you know, they'll be telling people, and then they talk about it all the time, you know, then it's a connection, it's an energy, then the next time they talk to that person, hey, how's that guy doing that you told me about, you
2: Mm -hmm. know, because
1: it left an impression, and that's my mission, is to, it's not about me, but it's about the message that I'm sharing, you know, if you are able to connect with people, and you know your message, then they're going to remember And it's going to be like, man, you know, I don't remember her name, but, you know, she was talking about mental wellness. She had this story. They can tell your stories. They can recall that. And that's what you want. You want to inspire them to impact others. And that's what it's about.
0: Yeah. And inspire others Mm -hmm. to take action. It's a very Mm -hmm. critical step. Well, Mm -hmm. Michelle, we'll make sure to include all the different ways that people can connect with you. And for anyone else that's watching, feel free to connect with her on LinkedIn or Facebook um, I think those are your main platforms that you mentioned and then we'll make sure to include the website and everything else yeah. that people can uh, can find you and learn more about your story awesome thank well, you Thanks
1: so much for having me I enjoyed it you know Absolutely. look I have some notes over here okay
0: you got <laughs> <me right. laughs> there you go I have inspired some action <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our podcast so you can receive all of the latest content as well as all of the upcoming episodes. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring conversations. Once again, We thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.